0: Hey, good morning. It's Friday. Can you believe it? It is Friday, and we got, oh, so much to get to. We're going to have Trey Wallace talking all your college football, including the goings-on in the SEC, Big Ten, and others. It would probably help if I put my mic on. I've only been doing this for a year, and I still continue to be a moron. Nobody's surprised by that. Mostly my wife, who's standing right there laughing at me. All right. Listen to this. Now, when you make a deal with the devil, you know who the devil is when you make the deal with the devil, do you not? You know, eventually the devil is going to be who the devil is. You know what I'm saying? It's like the good Samaritan that walked up to the tiger and took the thorn out of the tiger's foot or the snake. I think it was. I don't know. Took it out. Tiger ate him. Said, you knew who I was when you came up to me. What are you doing? Well, you know who you're dealing with when you deal with the country of Qatar, Qatar, whatever you want to say. You know these people are rotten. You know these people are dirty, conniving, thieving bastards. You know this. And if you don't know it, look at their human rights record. Look at their stance on various issues, homosexuality, whatever. They're awful. They're terrible. But you make a deal with them and they put hundreds of billions of dollars, I heard two hundred billion dollars into the World Cup, and everybody's going to get fat off of it. And I was listening to an interview yesterday on Mad Dog, and he was talking to Grant Wall, who was a reporter there, and that reporter said, hey, look, man, everything is brand new here. Everything, the townhouse I'm staying in, the roads, every single thing, the metro, the stadiums, the parking, everything, everything. So there was an agreement. There's going to be booze. There's going to be booze and sweets. There's going to be beer only at the stadium because they know fans are nuts. There's going to be fan zones around the stadium where there's going to be alcohol. Well, two days before the event, guess what happened? When you deal with a snake or you deal with a lion, you know they're going to bite you. They bit. They told Budweiser, who, by the way, is a multi-multi- multi-year and multi-multi-multi-million dollar sponsor of FIFA and the entire World Cup experience worldwide. Yeah, they got told yesterday, yeah, there's going to be no beer in the joint. Nah, no beer. But you can have it outside in, you know, your areas, the tailgating areas. It's all only where fan festivals are, but nothing inside. Now, it's a long-time agreement between FIFA and Budweiser They did say, however, Qatar, Qatar, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, you know what, though? In the suites with the rich people, you can have champagne, you can have wine, you can have whiskey, you can have liquor. We don't care about those people. But for us commoners coming to watch a game, you can't have any. No. Well, guess who isn't in charge of the World Cup? And that would be FIFA. FIFA got emasculated by Cutter. Cutter got you there and said, yeah, well, I I don't know what to tell you. You know who we are. You knew who you were dealing with. You sold your soul to the devil, and now the devil's doing devil things. It ain't that hard. It's what the world is about. I hung out with one jackass, really, in my life. I generally hang with good people. That jackass, what did he do? Comes back to bite you, writes lies about me. I get it. Thank you. Don't hang with jackasses. Don't make deals with devils. No, 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 no. You do it, I don't care what level. Personal level, professional level, mega international level, you get bit. So, FIFA and you guys that said, great, we're going to cut her, you got what you deserve. Actually, you didn't get what you deserve. You got what you knew what was you knew what was coming. You had to know what was coming. And that's a big deal. I mean, look, who wants to go to a sporting event, particularly as one as boring as soccer, and you can't have a beer? How are you going to sing ole, 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 Or how are you going to sing Sweet Home Alabama or Rocky Top or whatever the heck they choose to sing without having a few in you? Hydrate between buds, yes. Now we got no buds in the stadium. So, what you gotta do is you gotta go to the fan fest and look, do your, and I'm being totally serious here. People of my generation learned about foreign country penalty prison by a movie called Midnight Express. You know what I'm talking about out there. In my world, at my age, my parents made me watch this movie, Midnight Express. It cured me of ever thinking I could do anything wrong in a foreign country. The modern version of it, all you got to do is look no farther than Brittany Griner. Seriously, she just got moved 200 miles away from Moscow to a penal camp where they're going to basically make her work and starve her. I mean, honest to God, for some little weed. So if you're in Cutter, don't go to jail in Cutter. Don't sneak beer in. I mean, I don't know the rules, but don't do it. Don't kiss your girlfriend in public. Don't engage in homosexuality. Don't do it. Seriously. We learned my generation from Midnight Express. We did. I'm telling you right now, guys my age, there it is. Frighteningly true. People my age are nodding their head. Yeah, we did. Well, I'll tell you what, I've told my kids, you better learn from Britney Griner. You go to a foreign country, man. You mind your P's and Q's, so be smart. If you're going to Cutter, and I know a lot of you are, so be smart. And by the way, I think we're going to have Alexi Lawless on our show on Monday. What a show. Let me just go real quick. Urban Meyer, 7-0 against Michigan, is going to join us next week. Uh, Alexi Lawless La- uh, from Cutter from is going to join us right before the United States gets ready to play their game. Look at this show, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of shows last night, uh, I got to tell you. The text came in from my brother. The text came in from my brother because he knows I got a show, right? I got a show. So if you want real sports news and you're in the Dockage family or you have my number, you know what? You text me. Uh, Dan, is Rogers even trying? It was the worst performance that I personally have seen Aaron Rodgers have. But more importantly, On top of that, it was the worst body language performance, interest-level performance that I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers have. Now, look, I don't know from Aaron Rodgers. I've watched him for 100 years. I've always liked him. I've always said, you give me Russell Wilson, you give me Pat Mahomes, you give me Brady, you give me Rodgers, you give me Lamar Jackson, last five minutes with the ball, and I'll take it. But I got to tell you, last night, is Rodgers even trying? Wow. Woo! That was accurate. I'll tell you who was trying. And don't at me, people. Don't at me with about this. Ryan Tannehill. Now, look, I get it. The cynic says, well, yeah, he's great in the regular season. But Ryan Tannehill can't play dead in the postseason because he threw a couple interceptions. You know, he did last night. Let me give you the numbers. 22 of 27. Three, three, three. 333 yards. And, oh, by the way, um, if I'm a Titans fan, I'm sitting here this morning going, hmm, I'm going to the Beard. In fact, I'm going to get a fake beard. And we're going to have a segment called Going to the Beard where we do some deep thinking. But I'm going to the beard if I'm a Titans fan. I'm saying to myself, hmm. Is Traylon Burks for real? He looked for real. The rookie, wide receiver, drafted in the first round, been hurt. To replace AJ Brown, 51 yarder to seal the deal, 45 yarder earlier down the field, seven for 111. Very distinct numbers. 333 for Tannehill, 111 for Burks. I don't know, man, but you put the combination of Mike Vrabel, I'll get to Derrick Henry in a second, a hot Ryan Tannehill. You know, Robert Woods wasn't bad. Traylon Burks, if he emerges, wait, us hold the phone here. Now, let me get to Henry. Wow. 88 yards, 87 yards. Fine. 45 yards on two catches. Now, I'm no mathematician. In fact, I took telecommunications because I could not pass calculus, and I took it not once, not twice, but three times. All right? So, two catches, 45 yards, and he threw a touchdown on a great play. Honestly, God, it might be the best play I've ever seen. Like, I thought the Tebow jump pass, Urban's talked about it on our show. I thought that was a great play. But I got to tell you, I never saw the handoff to the running back run it in and then throw it. Mike Vrabel, what do they say? I'm not smart enough to say this. But I do have a chess table upstairs, uh, and I like to play chess. He's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Mike Vrabel, who, by the way, was brought into the building to be interviewed by the Colts, and the Colts went with Josh McDaniels, another flub by the world's greatest GM, Chris Ballard. Anyway, I digress. Mike Vrabel, ladies and gentlemen, is a freaking master. He just, he what do you call it, a master class? He gives a master class every night, and he's doing it all banged up. Half his team was out. Hell, his kicker was out. They kicked with the guy who lied about Urban Meyer and got his lawsuit dropped the other day, Josh Lambeau. The world is crazy. Speaking of a crazy world, I'm digging the Washington Commanders, and I'm digging the Washington Commanders for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons is I like their defense, and I like the guy's name Montez Sweat. I think that's a cool name. I do. I also like them because they're a fun follow. You know, the Colts are the team in the news. The Colts are the team that, like, now the Fritz Pollard Alliance, we'll get into all of that. They make- But I'll tell you, the second team in the news all the time, it's the freaking Washington Commanders. And sometimes it's not for a good thing, obviously with Daniel Snyder. But Scott Abra is joining us, and Scott, I got to tell you, I'm loving your team. Scott Abraham joins us. He covers the uh, Washington Commanders. Let's get right into it. This team's playing good football. That's the bottom line
1: right now, no? They're playing really good football, and it's pretty impressive, Dan, because you talked about all the distractions this team and this coaching staff has had to go through this year, and they're still kind of putting those blinders on, right, focusing on the task at hand. Taylor Heineke's added some energy Uh, some confidence in that locker room, and right now uh, they're rolling.
0: Why are they rolling? I mean, you know, I I mentioned the defense earlier, no Chase Young, uh, but this defense seems to me, at least in the pass rush, um, seems to me pretty energetic and pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, this uh, defense has really stepped up, especially after the first couple of games of the season. Their defensive line is dominant. You have Jonathan Allen, you have Deron Payne up front. You have Montez Sweat, as you mentioned, on the defensive end, and hopefully you get a Chase Young back. If not this week, the following week, uh, they're just playing good collective football. And on offense, they're not flashy, but they don't make too many dumb mistakes. Taylor Heineke, he has those exciting plays where he extends with his legs and he can evade the rush, and uh, he just has that winning mentality. He he doesn't he doesn't pop off stats wise, but he's a winner and the players rally around Taylor Heineke. uh, And that's all you can ask for. And right now they go to Houston on Sunday, face a one-win Texans team. So they're 5-5 and right now. You look at their schedule coming up, Dan. You have Houston home against Atlanta, against the Giants by week, and then the Giants again. It's right there. They can go on a run here. Don't don't forget about those commanders.
0: No, I'm telling you. And I'm going to start with this, and then I'm going to go through the whole Heineke-Wentz thing. You know, Yep. when I when I was a basketball player in Indiana, it was when Bob Knight, I was sitting right next to him getting ready to go in a game when he threw the famous chair. I was, a, I was a senior captain, and it felt like that entire year, Scott, we were dealing with Bob Knight crap. And, you know, maybe as a captain I didn't do a good enough job. I don't know. But it was like as a player, it was just Bob Knight crap every single day. So now I, I always keep that in the back of my mind when I see this in other in other teams. And Washington, the Daniel Snyder stuff, there's always been Daniel Snyder crap to the point where, correct me if I'm wrong, but Rivera actually, you know, kind of addressed it. The players were asked about it. How have they put that aside? And how good a job has Rivera done putting all this
1: aside? You, you bring in a great point because. Um, Rivera had a really good quote that kind of resonated with me and the rest of the beat reporting crew. Um, he basically referred to what his father, who was in the military, uh, his father went to Vietnam twice. He said, When there's panic and there's everything that's going wrong, they look to you, they look to the leader to kind of calm the ship and right the ship. So, if the leader, the head coach, if he's in a panic, if he's all flustered, then his players are going to be all panicked and flustered. And Ron Rivera, I mean, God bless him. Washington is so lucky to have a Rivera in that type of position where he can calm everybody down. There's no panic, and he's been through the ringer himself. Damn, I mean, just look what he's been through with the Commanders. A name change. Uh, he fought cancer himself, and his mom died just two weeks ago. So he has been through the ringer, and he's still, you know, pushing his team to be the best they can be, and the players are responding. I think they respect Ron Rivera so much. They also, as I mentioned, have kind of rallied around and re-energized with Taylor Heineke uh in that lineup under center. He's just that average Joe type of quarterback. And he's just coming in there and he's doing the best he can. That underdog story. Just a few years ago, he was taking online classes, living on his sister's couch out of the NFL. And just a few weeks later, he starts that playoff game against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. They don't win that game, but that's when kind of Taylor Heineke arrived, came on as the backup quarterback, and here we are. He's 3-1 as a starter this season.
0: Hey, back to Rivera. That name change, I mean, people may say, well, what's the big deal about a name change? No, no, no. no. That thing lingered forever. That was a big deal, probably uh, still is. And then on top of all of this, you know, we all talk about what's the most important position quarterback, what's second most left tackle, what's third most edge rusher. Well, you lose Jack Del Rio and Rivera lose Chase Young. I mean, you can make the argument that Rivera's doing as good a job, if not the best job in the NFL right now, along with Vrabel.
1: Oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, he has been gone through a lot of different injuries on that defensive line, on that offensive line. Uh, he's retooled a lot in terms of various weapons and pieces on both sides of the football. And, and what I love about Rivera is uh, he's just he's just been through he's been through it all. He was a player, remember, and as a head coach with Carolina and Washington, he's seen everything. Nothing is going to phase him, him, Dan. And uh, he's as tough and as strong as they come. And the players respect him. He's a players' coach. You know, they give us inside peeks into the locker room after the game and listening to his speeches and how he, you know, controls the the locker room and what he says to the players and how they respond. Uh, It's really pretty awesome to see and and, and almost inspiring to the fact that these players want to play hard for him, Dan, and that's something you can't teach, you can't coach. Uh, It just comes with the territory.
0: You know, Ron Rivera, I grew up outside Chicago. Bears are my team, and he was on the 85 Bears. I mean, anybody on the 85 Bears, I don't, I don't like, I have a reverence for. It's like a, it's like a mythical group. I went to their uh, 85 premiere of, of the 30 for 30, and I met a bunch of them, and I'm like, you know, I'm starstruck. So I've been a Ron Rivera fan forever. All right, you did the most honest interview before the season with Carson Wentz. Now, yeah. here we go again with Wentz. He, walk me through, because I'm a little confused here. Heineke was named the
1: quarterback, but is Wentz practicing? Is he back? Is he the backup? Yep, yeah, great question. Um, so, if you remember Dan, he broke his finger uh, in that Chicago Bears game. It was a Thursday night game, so they put him on IR. So, minimum four weeks. It's been four weeks, okay? So, Heineke has started the last four weeks. Carson Wentz has not been designated to return yet so he's on the sideline right now he's not fully practicing he's kinda throwing on the side it looks like he's going to miss another week so that means he's not going to be activated he's not going to be designated for return he will not be the backup quarterback at this moment on sunday that'll be sam howell the true decision is going to be dan when he is designated for return he's activated and can start practicing again So, Ron's kind of delaying the big decision of who's going to be the starting quarterback when Carson Wentz is activated and sets a return. Right now, Taylor Heineke is going to start on Sunday. If He wins again, I tell you. I, I don't know how you can go back to Carson Wentz with the way Taylor's been playing, with the way this team has been playing. You know, there's a saying, my father always taught me, if it's not broke, you don't have to fix it. And right now, Washington and this offense is not broke. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the big decision on the horizon when Wentz is set to return.
0: I want to go through something. This is, as a 25-year coach, these are things that I kind of look at. Um, You know, the Vikings did their thing with Cousins, and I'm watching, and they're doing the same thing with Heineke. You know, he's got bush lights going, and I don't know. (laughs) Craig. me, I could be wrong. It's only a little little blip of video but it seems like uh, this guy's got the team you know what I mean like he's got the team like they like this guy this is their guy right now
1: Dan they don't just like him they love Taylor Heineke Uh, it it goes back to that average Joe that underdog story uh, a young man who was out of the NFL and is just simply making the most out of his opportunities he he has guts I mean he Plays like it's his last game ever. Every time he's on the field, yes, he's going to have that one play where you're like, Taylor Heineke, what are you doing? That was a horrible interception. What were you looking at? But then he's going to have plays where you're like, holy cow, he's the magician. How did he get out of that sack? And the emotion he shows on the sideline and on the field. He may not be playing, but he's one of the most vocal guys when the defense is on the field, or the defense comes up with an interception, or comes up with a turnover. Just this week, he uh, he is a thing, Dan. So every after every win, he buys himself a pair of Jordan sneakers of the color of the team that he just beat. This week, he decided to buy the whole offensive line a pair of Jordans, just as a thank you for protecting me for playing well. Those are the little things that go a long way in a locker room, and he, he, you're right. He has this locker room right now, in my opinion, and if he keeps winning, I don't think Carson Wentz sees the field again.
0: So it begs the question, and this is not a fair question, but when Wentz was the guy you know, to start the season, was there the same vibe with him and his team?
1: It's tough to say, Dan, because they were they were one and four. Okay, I think winning cures yeah. all. You know, as a coach, uh, the confidence, the yeah. energy, what that brings into a locker room. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison because they were one and four. But let's be honest, though, who was the quarterback when they were one and four? That was Carson Wentz. Um, there's each quarterback. Carson and Taylor have their limitations and have their own strengths. Carson has the arm. He has a wonderful arm, big arm, but he also can't move as well anymore, Dan, and sometimes he's a statue in that pocket. With Taylor, he doesn't get sacked a lot. He can evade the rush. He can get out of the pocket, use his legs to beat that defense, but Taylor doesn't have the arm strength as Carson, but right now you got to go with the momentum. you got to go with what's building that confidence, that energy in the locker room. In my opinion, that's Taylor Heineke right now.
0: I cannot let you go because a lot of people in Indianapolis listen to this. Okay, this may be overstating it, but you got to go 90 yards, 89 yards to beat the Colts. Heineke escapes, throws it up. Terry McLaurin goes up against, you know, former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, whips his backside. Next thing you know, the ball's at the two. They run it in, game over. Did that play change the season?
1: I, go, I, actually, I actually go back to the Bears game, Dan, because the Bears game, if you remember, Washington was 1-4. and four. It was an ugly game. It was one of the worst primetime games in the history of the NFL, and Chicago was driving down, and they threw the ball to Mooney, and Mooney caught it with, like, a second left, and he was one inch short. Washington won that football game to get to 2 and 4 and then they kind of took off from there. I think right there that win, that was the turning point of the Commander season because if they lose that game, the Bears score that touchdown, they go to 1 and 5, and who knows what's going to happen. I think that helped with the confidence, that helped with the momentum. It was only one win, but I can't overstate how important that win was just to get some confidence in that locker room. Then I think they beat Green Bay. They beat Indianapolis with uh, that miraculous uh, final drive by Heineke. They almost beat Minnesota. They were up 10 points in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. Uh, And then they stunned the football world by handing the Eagles their first loss of the season. So this team, you know, you can't coach. You can't teach. You can't kind of instill confidence. It comes with what you do on the football field. And this team is rolling right now, but they gotta be careful for you, you. obviously being in Indianapolis, Houston Texans, they not their record may not be great, but they play really hard. They're scrappy. This is what you call a trap game. You're coming off an emotional high, knocking off the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan, I'm sure you've been in this situation before as a coach where you knock off a huge powerhouse team, and the next game you kind of lay an egg against a team. Uh, that you shouldn't lose to. So Washington has to be careful on Sunday against the Texans.
0: Yeah, Houston can run the ball. They ran all over, just like, you know, the commanders did. They ran all over the Eagles. 21-17 after three quarters is what it was. And, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, hey, uh, it's really a fun story, man. And I appreciate it. Second time you've come on. I appreciate you coming on, Scott. It's great stuff as always. Thank you.
1: Dan, I appreciate it. And I also liked your picture of uh, Jordan yourself. Jordan had no chance with you checking him, did he?
0: Zero. And then I kicked him, (laughs) Scott, for five grand on the golf course that summer. I dominate Jordan. I love
1: it. Dan, (laughs) thanks, man.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I put out on Twitter today. It's the only picture I look muscular in from college. And Jordan never paid me to five grand. I got a great story with it. Sucker. Anyway, Scott's great, man. He did an interview uh, with Carson Wentz and people were like, well, it's too mean. No, 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 no. These are adult men. These are men that can handle a conversation. That's why I got total respect uh, for Scott, Scott Abraham. You can follow him at Scott7news. Coming up, I got more headlines. Hey, look, I know we're all supposed to genuflect. I know the Fritz Pollard Alliance is looking into the Colts. Good, Fritzy. Have a look. I got to tell you, I'll give you my thoughts on the Fritz Pollard Alliance looking into the Colts higher. We got biological males. Why do we pick on women and children? You know, this is going to be a theme of mine for as long as I do this show. Why do we pick on women and children? Children. Uh, Jim Leonard, the coach at Wisconsin, is doing something that I wished I had done when I was the interim head coach at Indiana. An FCS college football team getting screwed with a coin flip. We got a lot to get to. Trey Wallace is going to get us set up. And I'm telling you, I had a bad night last night, bet and bet, bet, bad night. But this weekend is set up for greatness. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me, we'll be right back after this.
2: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer on select AK systems through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
0: You know what? That was fun. This will continue to be fun. And I want to make sure I thank all of you that are on the YouTube chat. That thing is popping. Go to YouTube.com, Outkick, Dan Dockett, You'll find us. Also, thanks everybody that's been here this week. Man, this thing continues to grow and grow and grow. We got Alexi Lawless coming up on Monday. You're going to not want to miss it as the World Cup Get started. Look, even if you don't like the World Cup, you're going to like it. I'm just telling you. Even if you don't like golf, if you sit down and you watch the Ryder Cup, you're going to like it. I mean, that's about the best I can tell you, right? All right. The Fritz Pollard Alliance is angry, or not maybe angry, but looking into the Colts. Now, uh, Colts hiring of Jeff Saturday. Hey, man, that's great. Seriously, good. But I don't care. And I know we're supposed to all say we care, but I had an African-American coaching friend of mine say, Dan, look on the sideline of an NFL team. All you're seeing is African-American coaches, which means all you're going to see soon is African-American head coaches. So when I see the, and he's right, I started looking this past weekend. See, I got a lot of friends in a lot of different places, and all my friends are rational thinkers. I understand everybody must posture. I I totally get it. And I understand things like the Fritz Pollard Alliance do good things, have done good things, have spurred hiring. But when a buddy of mine (coughs) said that, I looked on the sideline. Holy cow, is he right. Good. Hell, I don't care. Look, me personally, I don't give a damn who's the coach uh, of the Colts. Just win. I don't care if it's Frank Reich, Mother Teresa, uh, Fritz Pollard, Bo Mallard, who was a great coach at Gary Roosevelt High School, Dan Rogovich, who was my high school coach, or Jeff Saturday, I don't care, just win. So the Fritz Pollard Alliance, good, do your job, look into it. But here's the deal, it'll all get solved after the season. It'll all come out in the wash, Jimmy we will have to, even if Saturday goes 8-0, no, he'll have to go through all the stuff with the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule's been great, but let's be honest. Do yourself a favor. Look on the sideline of an NFL game. See how many African-American or minority coaches are on the sideline. You're going to see it's the vast majority. And as my friend said, who is an African-American, who does coach, although it is basketball, not football. He goes, look, these Fritz Pollard alliances, these run, they've done a great job. They forced owners to look at their staffs and be diverse in their hiring. Great. They have, and you will eventually see all these guys on every sideline become head coaches. So, again, that's part of it. The other part for me personally, I don't care. Get mad at Saturday. Get mad at Ursay, Don't care. Just win Sunday. Seriously. I mean, honest to God, I think that I think what I just said there is probably how 99.9% of fans, whether you're black, white, Asian, Serbian with this kind of face, a little half Polish in here, don't matter. You're like, hey, man, look, there's a couple things I want to happen on a Sunday. I want my team to win and I'm on my bets to win. That's like every person that watches. So this will all come out in the wash. Jimmy Ursay's no fool. I'm sure he understood what he was doing. If he didn't, hey, you know, do whatever you need to do, but just win, coach. I don't care who is coaching. Well, you're a white guy. Nah, well, whatever. I am. I can't hide from that, and I won't hide from that. But the truth of the matter is uh, tons, tons of African-American coaches coaching right now. Look at any sideline, and guess what? They will be head coaches, and that's good. All right, a biological male, why do we always pick on women and kids? For some reason, we have decided that children must have drag shows in their schools. For some reason, we have decided that children must learn how to tuck a buck to a stripper. And it's fun, the strippers tell us. It's enlightening, the morons tell us. Okay, well, if you guys say so, then okay. But I say you're full of crap. And let me talk about women for a second. So this Leah Thomas, right, this swimmer, I've told you this. She is becoming a woman. Was a man, now a woman. Gets to swim against women. Goes from being a terrible male swimmer, right, to a dominant female swimmer. Okay, good for her. Yay, rock, Go get him, Leah. Yay. And everybody, including some of my friends in the swimming media, are afraid to touch it. I won't. She shouldn't be allowed. Go swim with the men. I'll give you an example of why I say that. Yale, softball player. Woman softball player transitioning to a man. To a man. Guess who she plays against? The women. Now, don't you think about that? So, a guy transitioning to a woman competes against women. A woman transitioning to a man competes against women. Why? Why are we doing this? Why is it always women? You know, some dude gets on a TikTok and puts on makeup and dances around like an idiot and claims that she's a woman. My wife, a woman who has bore kids and had to live as a woman for years, is disgusted by it. Like, that's bullcrap. This idiot on TikTok goes and meets with our moronic president. The world is insane. It's insane. Fake dudes dressing up like women get to go be women. Nuh-uh. Why is it always we insult women? So here it goes again. Seattle. So this biological male in 2021, this dude swam at this place, Seattle Academy. He was bleed. He finished seventy-second as a boy in the league finals in the five thousand meter, a tough race. All of a sudden, becomes a woman. Breaks the school record. Would have been forty-eighth in the boys. Breaks the school record for women. Look, I don't give a rat's ass about Seattle Academy. I don't give a rat's ass about this kid. They don't give his name because, well, he's a minor. Who cares? But why is it always women under attack? Why can't the young ladies of the Seattle Academy compete against young ladies of the Seattle Academy and other surrounding women? You know, and don't try to tell, well, there's no difference. You know, we see these commercials about women being tough, and they are. I always say, you want to be tough? Be a woman. You want to be soft? Be a dude. But biologically, we're not the same. And all you got to do is look. And I know, well, you're El Campan. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, all right, Leah Thomas, horse bleep as a dude, uh, a star as a woman. You don't think there's biological differences? You're an idiot. And I can't help if you're an idiot. Nothing I can do about you being stupid. So this dude, all of a sudden, uh, 10th among women, sets records, Why is it always, hey, look, this dude wants to be a woman, great. Compete against the men. Well, that's not fair. Well, why is it fair for the Yale softball player to be a man transitioning to a woman and still play with the women? When a a man transitioning to a woman plays with the women. Why? If you're a woman, I think I got that wrong. If you're a woman on the Yale softball team and you're transitioning to a man, go play with the men. If that's what we're doing. They should all have to play with the men. I, uh, You know what? I'm sure that's some kind of ist, but, uh, you know, some purple-haired crazy person will go, well, doc, you, I, you are the worst. I can't believe you're racist, sexist, misogynist, antiphobic. No, I'm not. I'm just common sense. And I'm trying to protect women. Give a damn about anybody else. Hey, look, men, women... Uh, Women get – play them all against men. Crazy. All right, Jim Leonard is the interim head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. And he's doing all right. All right, Jim Leonard is, I guess, a bit of an icon in Wisconsin. Everybody wants to grow up, and they want to be Jim Leonard. Everybody wants to grow up and play football like Jim Leonard for the Badgers, play football in the NFL, be tough like Jim Leonard, come back home and coach Jim Leonard. When uh, Chris was fired, Leonard took over, and it was, yay, Ron, go fight, win. The world of college athletics has changed since 2008. 2008, I was named the interim head coach in Indiana. We got off to a 2-0 start. actually got off 3-1. So the idea, where's my mic? So the idea, I should have done what Jim Leonard did. Jim Leonard in this era is fighting like crazy to keep his recruits. He's fighting like crazy to keep this program together. It's exactly what I was doing. Indiana fans criticized me because I went and visited the recruits, but Indiana fans of that era were idiots. But Jim Leonard is right. So Jim Leonard puts out a statement and he's asked it goes something like, hey look, this is really difficult. Patience isn't a virtue. I think we've got Leonard's statement. And it's one of those deals where you go, hey, hang on here a second. You know what? I'm trying to keep this bad boy together. And it's impossible to keep the current recruits together. It just is. Being patient during a coaching transition is impossible right now. It is literally impossible. The question was, you've asked recruits, you see it right here and current players to be patient. Has it been difficult for you to stay patient? Because obviously it's a big part of your future in this position. How have you tried to manage that? He Here is Leonard's statement. This is a good statement. I'm not controlling the timeline. I have to do everything I can to keep the program going in the right direction, have the communication with our players and recruits and families try to win game. Hopefully within the near future there's an answer because the longer it takes, the harder it gets to ask people to be patient, meaning – the Michigan's, the Ohio States, the Northwesterns, the Indianas, the Iowas—they're all poaching. Hey, look, why do you want to stay with them? You don't even know who the coach is. It's hard to get. It, the harder it gets to ask people to be patient. Can you keep that up? Because there is a huge deadline's coming up, December fifth. People can transfer. Defe- December fifth is not far away. With your current roster and decisions, they may have to make recruits and signing day, the transfer portal. Thing is starting to get closer and closer December 5th. So the longer it takes, the harder it becomes to ask for that patience. And everyone involved, I think, knows that. What he's saying is, get off your backside. Name me the head coach so we can get this forward. Man, I wish I'd done that. Man, I wish I'd marched into the office of, uh, we call him Slim Pickens, Rick Greenspan, and said, look, I'm 2-0 here. I took a team that didn't even practice with a bunch of drug-addled crazy people and won two games. Give me the job. I got to keep this together. I didn't. And then I had to suspend the same druggies and next thing you know, well, we lost a couple and I'm the bad guy and I'm out. I should have done what Leonard did. You always advocate for yourself. Look at me, people advocate for yourself. Cause no one else will. Jim Leonard is being smart here. He's basically telling Chris McIntosh, the AD, get off your backside. Let's go. Let's start getting serious about this. Now, uh, Chris McIntosh is saying, hey, look, uh, I'm going to try to get Urban Meyer. I'm going to try to get Matt Rule. I'm going to try to get Deion Sanders. I'm going to try to do something here that elevates us. You're what we always have been. That's what he's saying, McIntosh, by not doing this. You're what we've been. Thick ankle, smash mouth. We haven't advanced the program. It's us in Iowa. That's it. Illinois' is trying something different. Purdue's trying something different. But we've always been the thick ankled with the big old boys and a running back behind them circa 1986. So that's what Chris McIntosh is saying. And I guarantee you, McIntosh isn't saying that to Jim Leonard. Now you got to understand ADs. When I was interim head coach at Indiana, we won our first game. Oh, the texts from the AD came in. Great job. Unbelievable. Go home, beat Minnesota. There's the AD, right? Go to Michigan State, get thumped. Oh, I'm sorry. We beat Ohio State. Go to Michigan State, get thumped. Nothing from the AD. Come back home, beat Minnesota in kind of a sloppy game. There's the AD. Please. Just please. So I get Chris McIntosh in the world of athletic directors. I get why he's doing what he's doing. I also, ladies and gentlemen, I get why Jim Leonard is doing it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I wish as an interim coach, I had done what Jim Leonard did. I do. Put a little heat on these clowns. I do. I I do. Put a little heat on them. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a little heat on them. Yeah. Uh, Now I'm the bad guy in Indiana that ruined the program. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Jim Leonard, you got a problem. Uh, You are exactly what everybody thinks Wisconsin is. And if you think Wisconsin can beat the Ohio States of the world, even the Michigans of the world doing that, then you got to hire Jim Leonard. But I don't think they think that. I don't think Iowa thinks that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I, 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 would you? If you were the athletic director of Wisconsin, would you say, you know what? Um, we just fired a guy because it's stale, but let's go hire this guy and he's basically the same thing. Yeah, I don't think I'd do that. All right, you guys know who Southwest Missouri State is. Well, they got a big game coming up. It's a big game and it's against Tennessee Martin. Now, Tennessee Martin, and Southeast Missouri State, well, they play in the FCS, all right? They play in the FCS. And the FCS is one of those leagues that has figured out how to have a playoff. They figured out, hey, look, maybe, just maybe, we have a playoff. So right now, Southeast Missouri State, I want to have this right because it's a little confusing, takes on UT Mark. Both sit at the top of the league, the Ohio Valley, at 4-0. All right? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. These two, these two teams sit at the top of the league, UT Martin and Southeast Missouri. I knew I had this screwed up. All right. One hosts, Murray State, the other Eastern Illinois. If both win, they each finish 5-0. There are 24 teams that make the FCS. Imagine if this was your school uh, in the Power Five, right? There are 10 automatic qualifiers and 14 at-large bids. The automatic qualifiers include the uh, ASUN, Big Sky, Big South, CAA, OVC, that kind of stuff. The OVC is one of the automatic qualifiers. The bid would go because there's no championship game to CMO or UT Martin. A lot of scenarios. Guess what? Both teams lose or both teams win. You know what's going to happen? Coin flip. Think about that. Think about a coin flip. So Semo would be uh, number fifteen in the coaches poll. UT Martin is not ranked in the coaches poll, but it could be a coin flip. They don't care who's ranked where. They don't care. They're simply saying they're going to flip a coin, and it is going to happen at 7.15 Saturday night. How about that? Man. Now, if the coin flip goes to UT Martin, then the thought is that SEMO would get in. Should it go to SEMO, UT Martin would not go in. So you could get screwed on a coin flip, or you could have your whole season made. I prefer to look at this positively. You get your whole season made, by a coin flip. Indiana fans, look at me. I want you to look at me. Just look at me. For years, I have gone on my radio show. For years, I have told, told the parents of Indiana University men's basketball the story of Bobby Capabianco and his mother. Bobby Capabianco. Is a basketball player of some note coming out of high school that went to Indiana. Bobby Capabianco, it was good. Played all right, tough. Great parents, but the problem became Bobby Capabianco's mommy became a Twitter person. She became a message board person. This is back in the early like 2010. She became a thing. She did. She became a thing. And I said at the time, mommy's becoming a thing on social media is bad for kids at Indiana University. Playing basketball, it's just bad. It's not good. Play bad, mommy's going to get sad because people are going to crush you. People care about Indiana basketball. People care about Miami football. I'll get to Miami football in a minute. Bobby Capabianco, it does what it does. It goes south. Next thing you know, blah, 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 blah. He transfers, goes to Valpo, and he's fine. Couple other players. I'm like, get off Twitter. They did. Worked out good. Kid named Yogi Farrell's mommy. Yogi Farrell's mommy had all the answers. Yogi was a good player at Indiana. Played a little bit in the NBA. Nice kid, too. Great kid. Yogi Farrell goes to Indiana. His mommy's all over Twitter. His mommy's a Twitter thing. Then it goes south. And I'm telling the mommy, get off Twitter. She's criticizing me on Twitter. Well, you know who, Mr. Big Mouth from noon to three. I'm like, hey, look, I may be Mr. Big Mouth, but I know what I'm talking about here when it comes to parents on social media. Get off Twitter. Don't become a social media person. Your son needs to stand on his own and he needs to leave. So what does mommy do? Mommy gets off Twitter at least about Indiana basketball and her little baby. What happens? Yogi Farrell becomes a star, becomes a leader. Indiana wins a Big Ten. Yogi Farrell gets in the NBA. Look, I don't know Mozart. I don't know paintings. I don't know nothing, but I know basketball, and I know sports, and I know teams. So Mario Cristobal is the new head coach at Miami, and they're getting their ass kicked. I mean, let's be honest, they're getting whooped i got to stop saying it. i got to stop swearing. Where's Megan? Where the heck is Megan? All right, so Mario Cristobal, they're getting beat. Miami's not doing great. He needs Luther Campbell back. Nobody can win at Miami doing it right. you got to cheat. What are we doing? Mario Cristobal was addressing uh, Twitter and the parents being on Twitter, and this is what he said. I've not had a parent do that with me. If a parent is unhappy about something with a player, their situation in Miami, I haven't had anyone come up to me with it. Because parents are going to social media. I'm a parent myself. I think it's important to teach stuff like adults in a face-to-face manner. Duh. How rare is that? You mean mommies can't hide? They can't hide behind, oh, I don't know, uh, Twitter? So Cristobal goes on to say, As it relates to posting on social media, I was raised very differently for something like that. A parent is very free and welcome to pick up their son if they're not happy with their playing time at the University of Miami. That, ladies and gentlemen, is my philosophy. And I got to tell you, that's tough talk. And I like it. That's tough talk. But here's the deal. I don't know if there's even a star at the University of Miami football. I don't. But I know this. It'll be interesting if that star, mommy, daddy, comes and picks up their little boy. It'll be interesting. Keyshawn Smith is a player. He's on social media complaining. If I'm Mario Cristobal and I'm in my first year, And I've had enough. Uh, The first person that challenged me on this, I don't care if he's our star. I don't care if he's not our star. He gone. I did it at Bowling Green. When I went to Bowling Green, I was charged with winning a league championship, getting into the tournament. I had a really good player, but he was a pain. I told him to go. His dad came to see me. His dad was a big old Serbian dude. I thought he was going to beat the living you-know-what out of me. I said, hey, man, your kid don't want to do what I want to do. Two years later, we won the league. We don't get screwed by a guy, a referee. We go to the tournament. Year after that, we win the league. I'm sorry, third year, we win the league. My second year there, we're the best team that I've ever had. We get screwed. Wally Zerbiak's team beats us. They go to the Sweet 16. The next year, we win the league. We win 24 games, and we can't beat Kent. Can't We can't beat Kent. What do you want me to tell you? We can't beat Kent. Kent goes to the Sweet 16. Oh, no, the Elite Eight. What are you going to do? But if I'm Mario Cristobal, somebody challenges me on this, adios. It's the only way to fly. Good for Mario Cristobal. We'll see if he can do that. It is easier said than done. We have breaking news from the NFL. According to Ian Rappaport, man, according to Ian Rappaport, the offensive coordinator – For the Tennessee Titans, Todd Downing was arrested for DUI and speeding last night just outside of Nashville. Williamson County Sheriff's has confirmed this, and Downing posted bond at around 7 a.m. this morning. Dude. Dude. (sighs) Don't do it. You know, here's the deal. You get on team plane, Ditka got one way back in the day, man. You're on a team plane, you're having some beers. Hey, I'll see you guys in the morning, blah, 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 blah. Now, you look, there's developing stories. You look, there's all kind of stuff. Trey Wallace is going to join us. Uh, By the way, the Eagles, remember we told you this going back? We told you this was going to happen. The NFL has changed because of the Los Angeles Rams. You see it right there. And Dominican Sioux. The massive defensive tackle for, now, the Eagles. And a boy named Sue, Indomitian Sue. I did a bit yesterday on it. I used my new uh, unisex millennial voice, and I was a purple-haired lady complaining about the song A Boy Named Sue because that's what purple-haired ladies complain about. Oh, my God, I can't believe he's got a boy named Sue. How can they name a song like that? What's wrong with a boy named Sue? A boy named Sue's a fine song. What, what, can't be a girl named Sue? It has to be a boy? I don't believe it. You guys are sexist? You're misogynist? Why is it funny that a guy's name is Sue? Why can't it be Sue? Shut up. And Dominic Sue, baby. All right. Trey Wallace. By the way, the NFL is moving the Browns versus the Bills to Detroit. And uh, I think there's some funny Twitter things here. Do we have it real quick? Because of the snowmageddon that's coming? Look at that. That is, I'm telling you, that is Buffalo right there. We used to play in Buffalo in the Mack and you'd drive in, and you'd see these parking lots. Look at that thing. <laughs> Snowmageddon. You know, the one thing that I would say is I never wanted a job where my decisions could cost somebody their life. Now, I want you to think about this for a second when you say, well, they should play. All right, so the Browns and the Bills are going to play, and that's the Browns and the Bills, and those guys are going to be fine. But how many people have to get to the stadium? How many workers have to get there early? How dangerous is it to travel? And I don't want to be the guy, if I'm the general manager, the executive vice president, or the owner of either team, or Roger Goodell, that makes the decision that potentially could cost someone their life. Now look, I've got Catholic guilt. I admit to Catholic guilt. So, you know, I just can't be the guy that makes the decision to cost somebody, somebody their life, even if I'm six steps removed from it. I cannot be that guy. So I applaud this decision. We would all like to see the game being played in the snow. All right. But I applaud the decision. I think it's a great decision. Uh, I do. All right. When we come back, Trey Wallace, listen to this. Charles Barkley is cryptically breaking news in the SEC coaching ranks. Sir Charles breaking news. We'll get to the bottom of this with Trey Wallace. Heisman watch, Hendon Hooker, anybody? Kiffin to Auburn? What? I'm not buying that. And then I just saw something today about another candidate to Auburn that I'm absolutely not buying. I'm not going to tell you who it is until we come back. I'm going to run it by Trey because nobody in the world knows more. Then I got hot seat living, baby. If I put you on the hot seat, so I put Matt Rule on the hot seat, he got fired. I put Frank Reich on the hot seat, he got fired. Tom Thibodeau's been on the hot seat. He even his P's and Q's. The next two guys I'm putting on the hot seat, mm, they may have a problem. Trey Wallace, next. Stay right here. Where are you going? It's the best show you're ever going to watch. Where the hell are you going? What's wrong with you? Stay here. Tweet it out. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
2: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of Steel Tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
0: You know, we talk football uh, with Trey Wallace once a week, and it's freaking awesome. But Trey, I got to... I just was scrolling through Twitter here, and I, I came up a New York Post article. I did not know this. There is a Meryl Streep of porn. This woman named Angela White. Who knew the acting had reached the Meryl Streep level, street level in porn? I did not know this. Good for her. Uh,
3: I learn new things <laughs> every time I come on this show, Dan. I'm not going to lie. New things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, You and I... You cover it, but maybe Charles Barkley is the man. Charles Barkley said, look, there's going to be a surprise firing in the SEC, and he's like, I'm 100% sure, and they're going after Deion Sanders. A lot of people are pointing, obviously, to Texas AM. and Would that be a surprise firing given the buyout, or is the money there just get rid of Jimbo and move on?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's – a. It would be a surprise firing because of where Texas A&M is at right now. I think that, you know, look, there are people that are not satisfied with Jimbo Fisher and College Station. You look at his record this year. It's it's atrocious. Um, But it's also, well, if they think that, here's how it is, if they think there is a coach out there that could change the game, lead them into the future, um, especially with Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference soon, and they think Jimbo can't do it, they will get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Because I don't see how the guy turns things around. Because what is really turning it around? Eight wins next year, nine wins? That's not turning around. They expect him to be playing for a playoff spot. And I just don't see it at the moment. So they've got a situation right now in College Station worth keeping an eye on.
0: Yeah, you know, that, that's the thing I always say. I always say a couple of things when people talk about firing. All right, number one, who are you getting? Like, who who are you getting? Like, if you think there's somebody out there and you're a big money place and no one's bigger money than Texas A&M, who are you getting? Okay, if Deion Sanders answers that question – Fine. The other question I always ask is, if you don't fire the guy, then what's the expectation in terms of next year's wins and ultimate goal, which is what you just said? Those are always the two questions to me, Trey, because I'm with you. Like, if you hang on to Jimbo Fisher, then what you're saying is you believe this is the guy to get you to the college football playoff and a national championship. That's what you're saying.
3: Straight up you're saying, okay, Jimbo, you're going to go into your sixth year in College Station. You better be playing for a playoff spot. You better be contending in the top five in the country, you know, all season long. Uh, you can't be losing games to App State. That, By the way, we're paying a million dollars to come play in College Station and you lose to them. I think overall you have to set the standard. And the standard at Texas A&M right now, Needs to be every single year you are fighting for that, you know, top six seed at the end of the year where you're in the conversation for the playoffs. That should be Jimbo Fisher, and he's not right now. And he's going to have to make some changes if he sticks around. He's going to have to make changes to the offensive staff, he's going to have to make changes to the recruiting department. And Dan, you know, this when you've got an athletic administration that tells you, Hey, you're not getting it done. We want you to make these changes. The coach is going to be kind of like, well, wait a minute. You're coming in here. You're telling me how to run my own program. I don't really like the way that this is going. Like it could go two different ways when they sit down with Jimbo and say, Hey man, it ain't working. You've got to get somebody else to call your office because what you're doing has not drawn any success over the last two years at Texas A and M, Dan, it's a tricky spot for him right now.
0: Is Deion Sanders what you know about Texas A and M? Is Deion Sanders a bad fit, good fit, or great fit?
3: Uh, a guy that knows the the Texas area, and I'm and I look. I know Texas is huge. I'm talking about the recruiting. Um, he, you remember when he ran that prep school down there for a little bit, it turned out to be a little bit of a flop, but the, the, the guy just got done playing a game in Houston two weeks ago, you know, he's taking his team to, to, to Texas. He's, you know, he understands the recruiting prowess of the area because everything that he has done in the past. And I think, and I'm not talking about NFL career, baseball career, nothing like that. Talk about what he's done the last 10 years when it comes to seven on seven teams, when it comes to, you know, high school teams, prep academies. Now what he's done at Jackson state, he, he knows the area. The biggest thing is, you know, is Dion Sanders going to be taking orders from regents, you know, in in college station or booster members and whatnot. And this is what we want to do. I don't see that happening, but if you want to make some type of splash in a sense, and you want to try to set yourself up for the future, and honestly, Dan, this would just be doing something completely different out of the box and praying that it works. And I think Deion Sanders would work because here's what he would do he'd be like a great businessman, he'd hire himself a CEO to run the program, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And then he runs everything else on the outside, kind of like what he's doing at Jackson State right now. That's how you get it done in the conference.
0: Well, I got to tell you, um, one of the outside things, and this is fascinating to me. One of the outside things, and this—if I'm an athletic director, I'm think, or a region, I'm thinking about this. Like you mentioned, all right, Dion would run the outside things here at Indiana. Tom Allen, the football coach is literally, and so is the athletic director, literally begging people for NIL money. Like, that's a really big thing. We saw Saban talk about Jimbo Fisher, and it was about two boosters to get NIL money. I'm saying one of the biggest things that I'm looking at is, is Dion able to get the NIL money? And I got to tell you, if Jimbo Fisher could, I'd multiply it by five that Dion Sanders could.
3: You are spot on. If, if he's able to get NIL money at Jackson State, I promise you he can get NIL, NIL money in College Station or any other job. He can do it at Auburn. He can do it at Florida State, Georgia Tech. He can do it anywhere that you want to go. He can get NIL money. Why? Because he's Deion Sanders. Also, he has that contract with Under Armour as well. That goes a long way when it comes to getting other companies on board. So I agree. And the the NIL thing, look at everybody freaking out right now. I read an email last night from the University of Memphis athletic director freaking out because they don't have any NIL money, and when the month of December comes around, they're going to have all their players poached by other schools. And what I'm getting at is these administrators are really freaking out right now because they know when this transfer portal window opens up, the week of championship games, December 5th, when it opens up, it's going to be the craziest situation I think we have ever seen in college football because you're going to have players leveraging against each other or the schools that they're at. You're going to have people looking for new deals at other schools. You're going. It's going to be a wild 45 days, and I'm telling you, if you don't have somebody in charge that can handle it and has the – cojones to to grab the situation and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to be left behind. I promise you, it's going to be nuts in two weeks.
0: You know, it's funny. I got, uh, the the athletic director at Indiana is a guy I've known. He was a student manager uh, when I was on the basketball team, and he's from my area. I've known him forever. And I got this email, and it wasn't just sent to me. It was sent to, you know, everybody, I guess. And to your point, Trey, I'm like, yeah, this is interesting. I wonder what, what happened to make this email, and then it hit me. December 5th is the transfer portal. It, it starts, free agency starts December 5th. So you know what? Indiana's trying to show that they're pumping this thing up, right? I mean, that's, that's the reason Tom Allen is doing an eight-minute speech on a radio show begging people for money. That's it, the transfer portal.
3: The 45-day window, that's it, buddy. That's it. I mean, I, and I am t- and I know we're talking about early sign-in class as well, which is normal in December for high school recruits, but th- that ain't the big thing. The transfer portal window is the big thing, and that's why you see schools trying to tighten up NIL right now or raise as much money as they can in the next two and a half weeks so they can be prepared for what's coming. And I, and I promise you, you know, teams like – Uh, like Memphis that I brought up or other schools of that caliber, they're going to have some of their top players that are going to leave and go sign with big schools, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, whatnot, because of the money that's being offered and the playing time. But let's be real. A lot of these conversations are about money. What can you give me? What can I get for NIL to help my family out? And, uh, I feel for some of these schools that are going to be left in the dust, but um, this is the new age, man. People signed up for this, so you better be ready for it.
0: People begged for it. I mean, begged yeah. for this. So, all right. All right. I heard a weird one today about Auburn. People talking about a lot of different guys to Auburn. So I saw a headline, and maybe it was OutKick, maybe it was somewhere else, That's, and maybe it was you. Hell, I don't know. Uh Auburn would have interest in Dabo Sweeney. And i thought to myself, well, no, you know, no kidding. I, I, would Dabo Sweeney have interest in Auburn?
3: Yes. I think Dabo Ooh. Sweeney would have interest in Auburn. Yes. Oh. I, I think you would. I, I think you would. I, I think that, you know, if if – here's what it's always been about Dabo, and I'm trying to be careful with my words here. But was it ever going to be the Alabama situation that a lot of people thought, uh, well, Dabo's going to end up at Alabama after Nick Saban's done? I don't know if you could say that now. Um, does, the, does the ACC, does it get old? Do you see Dabo as a lifer? You know, here, here, here's what I'll add to that. Remember last season. It's hard to forget because it was one of the craziest coaching cycles we've ever seen where Lincoln Riley leaves somewhere in Oklahoma where everybody thought he would be a lifer and ends up at USC. Brian Kelly dips out of Notre Dame, heads down to Baton Rouge. Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. I'm just saying, the days of us being shocked by coaches that are leaving for other schools and other opportunities, I think are gone. And here is something else, too, as well. Do not be shocked to hear that Dabo Sweeney's agent reached out to Auburn to gauge interest to see what Auburn was thinking. That's also a very smart move by the agent. Because when Clemson starts getting out of the limelight, okay, well, Dabo is like, okay, well, I need to make myself known a little bit more. Like, and not known in that sense, I'm talking money wise. Um, let's let's get, you know, let's Everybody is kind of maybe taking me for granted a little bit at Clemson. Let's see what it looks like if my name starts getting floated for other jobs. So not saying that he's leaving, not saying he's going to end up on the planes, but it's a smart move by Dabo Sweeney's reps to put his name in the outlying mix of the Auburn job. I give him credit. Smart move.
0: Okay. Here's how I think of it. Maybe I okay. think of it wrong. Far easier to get in the college football playoff, which is the goal of everyone, at Clemson than it is at Auburn. Why leave other than money?
3: Wanting to make uh, – let me put this the right way. Wanting to, to – he's already built a legacy at Clemson for what he's done with the national championship. Sometimes guys like new challenges, Dan. Sometimes oh, yeah. guys, oh, you know, they they, they, they they feel like maybe things have gotten stale where they're at, even though the program is still healthy and whatnot. But it's also all about, you know, what a coach is going through. You know, does he feel, and this could be for anybody, do they feel like, man, you know what, I need, I don't have that same pep that I used to have. I need to try something different. I need to see if I can accomplish this somewhere else and these guys have egos you know it, i know it and i think that when you look at certain situations and jobs that are out there like brian kelly brian kelly could have been said he'd have made the playoffs over the next couple years in notre dame but he wanted a new challenge lsu was a new challenge for him in the southeastern conference um the same can be said for, for for lincoln riley you know, Oklahoma, man, I've been I've been here kind of doing that. Let me go out here and see what I can do at USC where the, the lights are a little bit brighter. So but I'm just saying, these coaches, they do get complacent sometimes, and it's good every now and then to get a jolt in the arm and see if you can do it somewhere else.
0: I totally agree with you. I, I, I Look, I'm the poster child, even though it was Bowling Green for staying too long, no question about it. Uh, I totally, completely understand, and your examples are right. Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, who the hell's leaving Oklahoma? Well, Lincoln Riley is. Who's ever leaving the Notre Dame job? That's not a stepping stone job. Well, Brian Kelly. Now I get you. I I, I think you're exactly right, and I think with the way that college football is changing, uh, I think the SEC and the Big Ten is the only place to be, in my opinion. I mean, that's the, you know. uh,
3: They're they're going going to run the the block. They're going to run the block. They are. That, yeah, that, Who, that's just how it is, man. I, the Heisman trophy, Dan, you know, I think it's CJ Stroud's to lose, you know, if he, if he comes out and, and plays poorly against Michigan, uh, or, or even this weekend against, you know, uh, Maryland, you know, ha, does, could somebody else get in the fold? Absolutely. Like I think Hinden hooker is still there. I think Blake Corum running back from Michigan, still there, um, I think of Drake May, quarterback at North Carolina, you know, he it's all about who's going to get invited as well and who can make a serious front. I want to throw this name out there. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, he's being talked about a lot right now. He's making some headway when it comes to this. They got a big game Saturday night against UCLA. Uh they're going to have the Irish. They're going to play in the Pac-12 Championship. So he's got three opportunities if they win. But he's got three opportunities to set himself up to be in New York and give C.J. Stroud uh, maybe a run for his money. So I I don't want to I'm not going to call it yet. It, 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 C.J. Stroud, you know there are quarterbacks out there with better numbers, um, but I think overall looking at it, he runs it right now. But we'll say this: if Caleb Williams can show off, if Hendon Hooker can have two impressive games against South Carolina and Vanderbilt, which the competition's bad, and I get that. But if he can at least keep his name right there in the mention, you're sitting around, you're waiting for C.J. Stroud to throw two interceptions against Michigan, maybe a fumble, maybe screw up his opportunity to get a Heisman Trophy. So there are guys nipping at his, his heels right now. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition.
0: Yeah, it's – it's uh... CJ Stroud goes and dominates Michigan. Hey, look, you're in business. Hey, is this a good week, bad week? What's this week in college football? Oh,
3: man, it's a subpar week. You know, this, this is what I hate about college. If there's one thing I hate about college football, Dan, it's that they, they do these cream puffs, you know, the, the, the you know, second to last week before the regular season is over. Like, I, I don't want to see Alabama playing Austin P. I don't want to see uh, Mississippi State playing ETSU. I don't want to see, um, you know, these non-conference games are just pitiful this time of year, and I get it. Guys are tired, and teams set this up, so they're ready to go for their final week and rivalry, whatever. But I, I think at the subpar weekend, I, I do think, I think Georgia-Kentucky, a game that we all thought coming into the season, would be circled, and we'd be like, okay, that game might decide maybe the SEC East, maybe Kentucky gives them a run. Well, Kentucky's had a really bad season, and now all of a sudden, you know, you lose to Vanderbilt last weekend, takes the life out of this game. But I will say Kentucky's good enough to hang with Georgia for a bit. They run a different style of offense. Um, I I think that game at 3.30 on Saturday Eastern time, uh, will be entertaining to watch for at least a few quarters, three quarters maybe. Um, but then we get to the the, the primetime game, uh, USC versus UCLA, Lincoln Raleigh versus Chip Kelly, uh, offense versus offense. I know UCLA lost last weekend, but I still think this one was a fun game on Saturday just because Chip Kelly is crazy. He's going to do whatever he can to knock off USC. Um but, I mean, look, other than that, I mean, you got you know Michigan playing Illinois. Uh, you got Ohio State playing Maryland. Tennessee playing South Carolina. LSU playing UAB. I mean, it's t- this is a tough weekend. But, Dan, I say all that to say this. As we've seen in college football all season long, we are going to see some kind of chaos tomorrow that we're not expecting, and I'm here for it. So bring it on. TCU's got to go to Baylor. Yeah. TCU's got to play Baylor, who looks horrible last weekend, but they can still score. So, like, maybe we get an upset tomorrow, and uh, it makes everybody's day. I'm looking forward to it. It's college football.
0: I can't guarantee, like last week, that I'm not leaving my house, which I didn't on Saturday. But, hey, you're exactly right. I mean, look, every week, and I can't stand that it's closing down. My friend? Have a wonderful week. Thank you.
3: My brother, be well, man. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to doing this again soon.
0: Hey, when's the podcast? Take me through. You got a new podcast. What's going on?
3: Yeah, podcast coming out. Going to be starting uh, middle towards late of next week. Trey Wallace podcast. Going to have a lot of great guests on. Look forward to getting this thing launched without kick. Uh, The company is absolutely killing it. We're continuing to grow. Fantastic shows like the one I'm on right now with you. Uh, 360's killing it. The content's killing it. So we're launching big things into the future, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. The Trey Wallace podcast will start up next. uh, We're shooting for next Wednesday to get things rolling off the ground. So I look forward to it. It's just going to be another reason for folks to come to outkick.com.
0: You're damn right it is. It may be the reason. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Be good, man. Um, quickly, I got to get to three things. Um, Dwayne Casey, Stephen Silas, and Josh McDaniels. Those are my three guys on the hot seat. Now, the hot seat is one of those deals where it's like, hey, if I put you on the hot seat, you got a problem, but let me walk you through it. Dwayne Casey has this young talent. He's got Ivy. He's got Cunningham. The number one pick in the draft. Dwayne Casey older than me. He's 3-12, and and they're losing by 10 points a game with the Pistons. Now I got to tell you, that's a problem. Steven Silas is 3-12. 3-12 seems to be the thing. Steven Silas is the young stud guy, right? He's the young guy all the people want, but they're 3-12. And then Josh McDaniels makes this list because, well, frankly, Josh McDaniels deserves to make every hot seat list. But I'm telling you, when you look in the NBA, and I don't want to see guys get fired. I actually put Thibodeau on this, and they're doing okay. They're in the playoff run. But when you get the number one pick in the draft in Cade Cunningham, you get a stud in Jaden Ivey, 3-12 and 12 ain't cutting it. And when you see teams like Indiana, uh, who are now at five hundred or above and really exciting, and this kid Mathurin, Mathurin is taking over as the Rookie of the Year candidate, you look at it and you go, wait a second, what are they doing that we're not doing? Dwayne Casey is a really good coach. Steven Silas, I don't know if he's a really good coach, but I know Casey is, has been. He's been coach of the year in the NBA for crying out loud, but he's an older guy. And older guys coaching younger guys isn't really the thing. Silas is a younger guy, but they're just not getting it done, and I don't blame Stephen Silas. They just got a crap organization, and they have for years. And then Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels got the he's doing fantastic from Mark Davis. Yeah, they've already had two closed-door meetings. He seems to destroy everything in its wake. So you say to me, well, I know he's 2-7, and but the other reason with Josh McDaniels is simply, why is he on this list? Just because. My bets have been fire. Absolute fire. And when we come back, I, got, I think this is a great weekend to make a boatload of money. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Oh, man, I'm ready to go now. That was a uh, close, close call. All right, I have friends, ladies and gentlemen. I got friends in low places, very low places. I got a couple friends in jail. Uh, and I got friends in high places. Hey, look. What are you going to do? I was texting with one of them last night, the man that runs game day for ESPN, my friend Lee Fitting. He's a fantastic, fantastic man. Um, But I got to tell you, my friends think one thing. All of them think one thing. You ready? Take Michigan no matter how many points they're given. I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm not going there yet. All right, this is my lock of the day. My lock of the day, I can't believe the number is this, but it is Indiana against Michigan State in Spartyland. Now, I digress. If there is, ladies and gentlemen, if there is a snowstorm, then all bets are off. Like, you know, this is the time of year. When you live in the Midwest, you avoid the Detroit airport. You just do. Like, I've flown all around the country, whether it's recruiting or working and doing games at ESPN, and I would rather drive than have to connect through the Detroit airport because you never know if you're going to get stuck there for a month in a snowstorm. So I digress on this. But Indiana, my boys have not played great. I'm not saying they've quit, but they've been beat down and beat down, and they're on their possibly third quarterback, Dexter Williams, who I like, Tom Allen, the coach, I talked to him yesterday. He was cryptic because he likes to be cryptic about his quarterback. But I believe Dexter Williams is going to start. Dexter Williams can move. Dexter Williams is a prototypical new age athletic running, throwing quarterback. Now he had an ACL. Or maybe he would have been the starter anyway, so maybe this is a good thing. But Indiana's kid named Camper, their number one ride receiver, is out. They haven't been able to run the ball. So Indiana is really, really struggling. And this is very, very different when I'm talking about Sparty from a couple of weeks ago. Sparty got crushed in the big house. Do you remember this? They got smacked around. Then after, huge problem, humongous problem. You know what the problem was? They were going to go play. Illinois, Illinois playing for something, the West title. Oh, by the way, the police are involved with their players. So what does Mel Tucker do? They go ahead and win. They go beat Bielema in Bielema's house, slowing down, not stopping Illinois' run to the West Championship in a possible time coming here on December 3rd for the Big Ten Championship. It's unbelievable. And then they won last week. Look, I'll take Michigan State – I'll put the freaking house on it. Minus 10, I will. I looked at it this morning. Uh, I'm guessing that this has changed. I gotta believe this has changed. Look, I'm an Indiana fan. I'm a Tom Allen fan. But we're trying to win money here. Take Michigan State minus the frickin' 10.5 against Indiana at Sparty, are 10, I'm sorry. Honest to God, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, but I thought this line would be like 18. Speaking of 18, Purdue not playing very well. Purdue not playing very well at all. Northwestern at one point this year, and maybe they still are, is the worst Division I football team in America. I mean, Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois and backed it up. They got fired up and backed it up with a loss to Miami of Ohio. Now, I'm not saying that losing to those two teams is fatal. Well, if you're a Missouri Valley team or you're a Mac team, but you're a freaking Big Ten team. You're a Big Ten team, and those are the two teams that you lost to. Don't at me, people. You're horrible. But you're not horrible anymore. Why is Northwestern not horrible anymore? Why is Northwestern playing people tough? Why do I look at that eight and a half and I go, wait a sec, 18 and a half isn't enough. Purdue's not playing great. My guy, uh, Ian o- a- Aiden O'Connell, you people every week, well, did you see what Aiden O'Connell did? He stinks. No, he doesn't stink. He's hurt. What do you mean to tell you, morons? Get off my backside. Northwestern has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. They just got bamboozled by Minnesota at Minnesota. And they're going to Purdue, but I think they keep it within 18 and a half. I'm not betting a house on this. What do you guys say? Half a unit? Purdue's playing for something. This reeks of backdoor cover. It just, it just does. I only produce playing great. All right. Michigan minus 18 against Illinois. A good friend of mine who is in the TV industry, who is uber liberal. Like, if I even mentioned his name on this show or on Outkick, I think his head would implode. He said to me, he's not on the air, he is behind the scenes. He's one of, if not the smartest TV guys that I know. He said to me, and I'm quoting here, take Michigan and give as many points as you need. So right now, it's 18 against Illinois. Give as many as you need. You got to give 22? Give them 22. You got to give them 25. Give them whatever. Because Michigan, according to my man, Again, unless there is a snowstorm. For those of you that don't know, this is Detroit. There's a lake right here, and right here is Old Ann Arbor. All right? So there could be, you know, lake effect snow. Those of us from Chicago, we know lake effect snow. Try driving from Bowling Green, Ohio, northeast, or northwest Ohio, across the state of Indiana to Maryville or Chicago. You get about halfway, well, maybe a little more, and you come to a town. An idyllic college town, you think, called South Bend, Indiana. The Elkhart-South Bend-Indiana Corridor on I-65 is the worst stretch of driving in America in the winter, non-Montana, non, uh, non-Montana Utah, Wyoming division. All right, second worst, Detroit. So there could be a snowstorm. No snowstorm, cold, I don't care. But if there's no snow, uh, Michigan is going to win this game by 610. So if the line goes to 611, I'm not taking it. But 610, I'll take it. Michigan has to get style points. Actually, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I wanted to grab the words and throw them back in because they don't have to get Style points. Here's what Michigan has to do Michigan has to win this game and then beat Ohio State. Everything, and people are wrong about Jim Harbaugh. People are saying, well, Jim Harbaugh, his schedule has cost his team. No, it hasn't. Absolutely has not. I heard that. Actually, I heard it on our show too, and I didn't want to argue. Unless, of course, it's my friend Ryan Burr, then I'll argue till the cows come home. I didn't really want to argue. But I got to tell you, Michigan set their schedule up beautifully. Who cares who they play in the non conference, win all your games, and then beat Ohio State, and you're in. Now, the problem for Michigan comes if they win all their games, lose to Ohio State, a one loss Michigan. Having played Hawaii, UConn's pretty good. Colorado State in a non-conference, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to fly. Ohio State at least beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame seems to be on the come. We'll see. So anyway, that's my theory on that. Take Michigan unless it's 600 and whatever I said. All right, next. This is interesting. Florida didn't look sort of good. Florida looked really good. Like, stupid good. I watched that game because I thought to myself, look, I love me Shane Beamer. So far, he's the only SEC basketball coach or football coach to come on our show, so we love it. So I'm like, yeah, Beamer will keep it close. Beamer ball will work some magic. It didn't. Florida was too good. Like, stupid good. Now, 14 against Vandy. We all know what Vandy did last week. We all know that Vandy went and beat uh Kentucky and I got to tell you. For those of us that live in the great state of Indiana, anytime we see Kentucky beat Kentucky, disappointing Kentucky fails, you know, Kentucky falls out of, we celebrate. Our toes are tapping. So that's what happened last week. Vandy got their first win in like 1,000 games in the SEC against Kentucky. Now, Vandy hasn't exactly played people close this year. Vandy, in fact, I would argue, stinks. They have scored 264 points and given up 352 points, the only team in the SEC that has given up over 300 points And they, ladies and gentlemen, have given up 352. The next closest is Arkansas, who gave up 289, and then Auburn, who gave up 288. You can make the argument that Vanderbilt, particularly on the defensive side of things, is historically bad. Now, they're going to play Florida at home, they're coming off of a win. Here's the deal. Both are coming off wins. Is Florida back? Are they ready? Is the Billy Napier era ready to take off? Hell, I don't know. But I know this. They weren't kind of good against South Carolina. They were Urban Meyer, Florida good against South Carolina. They've won two in a row. They're going to Vandy. Look, guys that are used to losing can't usually handle winning. Let me say that again. Teams, fellas, players that are used to losing generally cannot handle winning. So you just won. I like your coach at Vandy. You guys are smart guys. You're not fools. You're not running around campus tearing it up because you got one win in 100 years in the SEC. You're smart people. You're smarter than that. But can you really, really get it going again? I don't know. Florida, they lost bad late against Georgia. They lost, again, bad late to LSU at home in reverse order. But since then, they went to a and crunched them, and absolutely destroyed SC. Maybe, just maybe, maybe Florida's on the come. If you're going to ask me to rank these four bets right here, number one, I'm taking Indiana to lose. I'm taking Michigan State minus ten. Number two, I'm taking Florida, minus 14 against Vanderbilt. Number three, I'm taking Michigan, minus 18 against Illinois. And then lastly, 18 and a half, Northwestern, I'm taking against Purdue. I don't love the Northwestern one, but I don't think Purdue's playing great. And this smells like something Northwestern's going to do late. Just does. Now, if this was 21 and a half, it'd be number one in the hit parade. So if you want to move it up, go ahead and do that. Another thing, and I didn't put it on here because, man, I feel like the Colts are going to beat the Eagles. Now, everybody says the same thing. NFL is really hard. It's really hard. And I agree. It's really hard to bet. It is. And I'm not sitting here telling you that I think the Colts beat the Eagles because Jeff Saturday has some super sauce. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, this is a good matchup for the Colts. Last two games, the Eagles got mauled, mauled by the Texans in the run game. Damian Pierce had his way. 170 yards they ran the ball, 21-17 going into the fourth quarter, It ended 29-17. And then we all know what happened last week against Washington. We talked to our friend early in the show, Scott Abrams, about the run game. 40-plus minutes of possession. 40-plus minutes the commanders had. Ran the ball. I think they're still running the ball. Jordan Davis, the super freak, big dude fast tough strong smart. the rookie out of Georgia the freak athlete he's out and since he's been out the run defense for the Eagles has been horse bleep. Okay what else? Let's look at that from the Colts side. Say whatever you'd like and I've said this for the last three years. Colt's defense or excuse me Colt's offensive line stinks. It stinks. It stinks like what just happened in that back room, it stinks. But I got to tell you, got better last week. Is it because of Jeff Saturday? I'm not really sure. But I will tell you this, Jeff Saturday, as an offensive line coach, has the respect of the offensive line. They have a running back, Jonathan Taylor. First time all year, first time all year, Jonathan Taylor felt like during the game he was going to break one. In fact, I tweeted it out. I tweeted it out in the first quarter. I tweeted out, said, hey, it's just a matter of time before Taylor breaks one. All of a sudden, I did it again right before half. Man, you can tell. It's the first time all year the world's best running back felt like he was going to break one. What did he do? 69-yard run. Uh, in the second half, and it broke the game open. The offensive line, first time. Well, let's put the two together now. You got a bad run defense because Jordan Davis is out. You did hire, I guess you'd say, and Ndamukong Donna- and Sue, Maybe that'll help. You got a terrific now run offense, at least in their last game, by the Colts. Second thing, the Colts are energized because everybody in that building Everybody understood that Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan gave the Colts the best chance. I was talking to a legendary great guy and Colt named Joe Wrights. Joe was for years a Swiss Army knife on the Colts offensive line. Well, you need me to play, coach. I'm in. Told me on the air, look, Jeff Saturday gained instant credibility starting Matt Ryan over Sam Ellinger. With the vets. Now, if you got to get credibility with someone, it's the vets. Colts are plus seven. Take that all day. Put it in a parlay. Don't be afraid to sprinkle a little money line on the Colts. It's just a good matchup. I'm sorry. There are some matchups that are good for teams, some matchups that are bad for teams. We talk about it all the time in the NCAA tournament. This Colts matchup is really really good for the Colts. It just is. All right, Damian Pierce, you got to get going. I lost my fantasy game. All right, fellas, we're ending the week. Who's our woke dope today? Oh, yeah. Look, I was going to get to Elon Musk. Shout out to all the workers at Twitter. You all built a vital piece of connection and deserve so much better. Millions of people appreciate the space you built and the hard work that went into it. Thank you. I love Elon Musk. You're welcome. See, last night, the word on the street was that Twitter was going to go away. And Elon Musk was just out there tweeting, making fun of Twitter going away get in here. That's what I used to tell my team, get in here. Let me explain something to you. Elon Musk has flown rocket ships. Elon Musk paid $44 billion for Twitter. Are you really that stupid to think that a guy that can figure out how to put people into space safely can't figure out an app Are you really that sad for a bunch of workers that didn't have to show up to work, got all kind of perks, uh, were incredibly arrogant, incredibly soft, got fired? Not me. You know what's gonna happen to somebody? Tell you what's gonna happen to a lot of somebody. They are gonna look and say, wait a second. Those people that left Twitter left really good jobs. They just didn't want to work hard. They just didn't want to put intense, long hours. I like putting intense, long hours. I know how to code really well. I know how to engineer stuff. You know what's going to happen? There's a lot of people that are going to be like, hey, time out. I'll take that job. So while there's a lot of little millennials that are walking out the door because... Elon be mean to me! Elon be mean to me! Elon not nice! Oh, Elon! You made me work hard! You told me I had to work long hours! I don't want to work long hours! You get me! Make- no! No, no, no! There are going to be a lot of folks out there that are like, Hey! I wouldn't mind working for Twitter. You got Twitter? You got a job at Twitter? I can work at Twitter. It's like Monica Geller saying, chicken. I can eat some chicken when she pops out of the bathtub. These guys, these I will guarantee you right now that there is a stack on whoever's doing the hiring at Twitter from this table right here to that roof right there. And many of them of job applicants are like, hey, man, are you kidding me? Work for Elon Musk? Get involved in this corporation. Make the kind of money these idiots were making. Hell yeah, I'm in. Uh, What? LinkedIn. Uh, Job opening? I'm in. Twitter? I'm in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Another one? Oh, yeah, I'm in. Are you crazy? Elon Musk, you're a damn hero. Elon Musk, you've made Twitter fun. You've made Twitter interesting. You've made Twitter personal. He's made it personalized. He has. He's made it personalized. And you know what? In making it personalized, he's made it more fun. All right. Last thing before we go. CNN decided that there's no drinking on the air during New Year's Eve. Now, a drunken Don Lemon who's been drunken on the air before during New Year's Eve, is kind of funny. Like, I couldn't pick Don Lemon out from a hundred different I wouldn't know who Don Lemon is. I, I never watched him. I read about him. I hear about him. I hear what a pain he is. I hear what a liar he is. I hear how, you know, he get demoted. But apparently he on air, according to what I have seen, is kind of fun. But CNN said, no, I'll tell you who's not fun on air. I'll tell you who's the biggest weasel in the history of on-air drinking. If you want to look up Anderson Cooper on air taking a shot with Andy Cohen, you'll see the biggest D-bag in the history of on-air drinking. He takes a shot and he goes, eww! Now, I got to tell you, second would be Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to drink on air, walk like a damn man. Yeah, I don't want to hear all of you. Well, why does it got to be a man? It should be a woman. Why why do you always say walk like a man? Why don't you say women? Women can walk like men too. Women can drink. Shut up. Shut up. Walk like a damn man and drink. Here's a story. You know, I got a story for everything. My daughter, her friends, her sorority sisters We're out. It's dad's weekend. I'm giving a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, causing trouble in Bloomington. All of a sudden, there's something called being iced. Do you guys know what being iced is? Being iced means you open something you're not expecting, and there's a Smirnoff ice. It's like a Zima, but Smirnoff. Red, white, and blue. You got to get down on one knee, and you got to drink it. Now look, I'm a dad. Dads always show for their daughters. The last thing in the world that I wanted to do was chug a freaking Seagram's whatever this crap is, you know, fruity drink. But, hey, it's on. I'm a dad. I got a show. I get down on one knee. I drink it like a damn champ. And I start to break it, but I think, well, that's not pretty smart, so I put it in the garbage. When you are challenged, ladies and gentlemen, when you are challenged... You got to step up in the drinking realm. You got to. Aaron Rodgers, you were challenged by your lineman. You drank a beer. Oh, no. Huh. Anderson Cooper on air. Shot. That big. <coughs> there you go. That's being iced. See? See the phones? See them? See the women with the phones over there? The guys with the phones? That's right. There are more videos of me from Dad's Weekends doing stupid stuff. I even got threatened with one. Well, we saw you at Kilroy's. Yeah, you saw me. We saw you spinning the wheel at Kilroy's doing shots. Yeah, you did. (laughs) What do you want me to tell you? We heard what you said. We recorded it. Good. (laughs) I don't care. You turn 60, you don't care. But I'm telling you right now, CNN, you suck. You always suck. But thank God, hopefully, we won't have to listen to that weenie-ass Anderson Cooper take a shot and go, eww! I just like making the sound. I do. If you're going to drink, drink on air. Caring, there he is. Eww! Walk like a damn man. Jeffrey Byrne says, Dan Dockage is killing it today. Walk like a damn man and mention getting iced. The king of the internet. You drop this, sir. My crown. Well, let me tell you something, Jeffrey. I've always got it close, baby. You know the rubies on the front. Wait, I can never tell. There you go. This is for you, Jeffrey Byrne. This is for you, my friend. I thank you for listening. But you're right. Walk like a damn man. I'll take a picture. That's right. And I'll post it. Because this show is interactive. You're damn right it's interactive. And I stopped Michael Jordan. Look at Jordan. You think he could get past me? Let me tell you something. We kicked his ass. And then about six months later, played him in golf. Kicked his ass. You know what else I kicked him? Look at the hair on both of us. Some men right there. It's Two men going after. See the guy with his mouth open top right? That's Joe Wolf, first-round pick. This is one of those who-doesn't-belong-in-that-picture kind of pictures. I got another one. It's me, Bill Self, uh, Jim Beheim, and Roy Williams playing golf. I always put it up. I go, who doesn't belong in this picture? Those three, because I'm the king. That's right. I thank everybody. We had a great week. It might have been our best week in terms of views. Aaron, you're just killing it. Dylan, you're sensational. Ryan, thank you so much. You're awesome. Kahaley, can't thank you enough. Art Davey, Corey, I don't know what you did to my little room here, but it has made all of the difference in the world. I got to tell you, we've had a great week. This show is so much fun, and I love the fact that you guys keep telling your friends, and it keeps growing. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you want to catch this act, those of you on the YouTube chat, I got to do the show from home. I'm having a little trouble with my car insurance. It's unbelievable. Anyway, catch more, outkick.com, outkick360, Trey, Tommy, I'm uh, not Trey, Clay, <laughs> Tommy. Next week, uh Alexi Lawless, right before the two o'clock game with the uh, English. He's going to join us. Urban Meyer, 7-0 against Michigan. We got to get Clay Travis on here. We're going to have a monster next week. Thank you, everyone. The King is out.